actually wanted to start and talk a little bit about, I'm not done with the three chairs, but I'm going to take a break this morning. I began to start thinking about some things uh, a couple of weeks ago that began to really start stirring within me, and I was wondering, what are we like after we meet Jesus? What are we like after we meet Jesus? So if you got your Bibles, turn with me because I want to look at some different different accounts. John chapter 8. We're going to look at John chapter 8 and we're going to look at John chapter 9. And then I'm going to have you look at Luke 18. So those are the places you can go. John 8 and 9 and then Luke 18 if you want to get there a little bit quicker. But John chapter 8. Say, I'm a son of God. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're a follower of the way, then you are a son or a daughter of the Most High God. You're a child of the Most High God. I am no longer who my fifth grade English teacher says I was. Hello? I am who God says I am. He sees me as holy. He sees me as righteous. He sees me as his favorite. So turn to your neighbor and say, I'm his favorite. <laughs> Turn to your other neighbor and say, I'm his favorite. I, I, I'm his favorite. You're, you're his favorite. You're, you're his favorite. You are his favorite. Say, I'm his favorite. Come on, say it like you mean it. I'm, I'm his favorite. I, I got news for you. I am his favorite. So uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm thankful for that. But the Bible has, uh, you know, man put in chapters and man put in um, verses, you know, the, the numbers. Um, so the Bible itself, sometimes there's different headings. And if we're going to look at John chapter 8, I want to look at verse 1. We're gonna, I'm going to have you read through. I'm going to have Angela read through. But my Bible says, it calls, it says the adulterous woman. Is your, anybody else's? Okay, it's the adulterous woman... And my question is, is what happens to the adulterous woman after she meets Jesus? What do you call her? <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? I mean, the Bible just keeps calling her the adulterous woman. So let's read through this account and let's look at some things uh, to see, to see what, what really, what is, there's a familiar theme in each one of these that I want, I'm going I'm to get to and point out. Angela, just start reading it at verse 1 and... I'll just, we'll go along till, uh, till we say whoa. When Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. And a leper came to him and bowed down before him wait and minute, said... Wait a minute, John chapter 8? Oh, I'm in Matthew. I'm sorry, she's in Matthew. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. Mine says it came down, he went to the Mount of Olives. <laughs> that is a good story. John chapter 8. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives... Early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people were coming to him, and he sat down and began to teach them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, and having set her in the center of the court, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in adultery in the very act. Now in the law Moses commanded us to stone such women. What then do you say? I'm working on a, a series of law versus grace. And this is one of the scriptures I'll be using in that, so, but I'm not going to talk a little bit about it today. But you can see that they brought this woman to Jesus and they said, here's what the law says. Here's what the law says, what are you going to do? 
So there's going to be some conflicts that you're going to see sometimes. And I'm, I'm hoping and praying that you guys are reading through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We want to continue to read through those. I want to read through them. I want you to read through them. Because we're going to see what the law says about some things. But I want you to notice how Jesus reacts. So they came to him. They said, hey, here's an adulterous woman. This woman was caught in the act. How embarrassing is that? Caught in the act, and they drag her out, and they bring her to the square, and there's Jesus and some others, and they said, this woman is an adulterous woman, and according to the law, she should be stoned. What do you say? Go ahead. They were saying this, testing him, so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground, but when they persisted in asking him, he straightened up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Stop there just a moment. I think he reacted differently than what the law said. As we're moving into understanding, truly understanding the grace of God, I have to say there's times I probably would have reacted like the Pharisees. But Jesus, who was bringing in something new, wasn't he? He was bringing in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. He was bringing in God's way of doing things. See, sometimes we operate by the law, and the law has certain standards but how many of you know if we operate by the law of life in Christ Jesus, which is the grace and the goodness of God, the actual standards are even higher. I need you to get this. Because when he fulfilled the law, he now brings in grace, and grace is actually more accountability than there was through the law. Well, what do you mean, Pastor? I don't understand. Well, if we operate by the law of sin and death, we operate by that law. This, they, the, these, these Pharisees were saying, you're operating in this law. Now, all of a sudden, we operate in grace. Which would be easier for Jesus to do? To say, okay, go ahead and stone her, and the deal's done with it, and it's over. Or was it harder for him to do what he did and hold her to a higher accountability? Are you with me? It's like, okay, I messed up, just cut my hand off, I'm over, it's done. Or, no, you get to keep your hand, and you're, you really shouldn't be stealing again anymore. There's a higher accountability. Are you seeing this? You see what I'm saying? So it's kind of like in the law in the Old Testament, they say an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. They smack you, brother, boom, hit them back. It's over, it's done with, you're feeling better. But Jesus says, no, we don't do that any longer. They said if he slapped you on one cheek, you give him the... Other, he said, if he drags you one mile, you go with him, which is harder to do. It's easier for me to go hit Shorty back than it is for me to say, okay, okay, I'm with you, and now I'm still with you. And Shorty's like, well, I wish you, can you just hit me and it's over? It'd be done, you know, at least leave me alone. Don't be hanging out with me now. What's, what's up with that? I, I just want to get over this thing and, and see it's a harder. See, when we oper actually operate in the grace and the love and the mercy of God, it's actually a higher accountability than just through the law. So let's watch how Jesus reacts because this was the adulterous woman. She was known as the adulterous woman 2,000 years ago, and today she's still known as what? The adulterous woman. But wait and see what happens when she meets Jesus. 
Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they began to go out one by one, beginning with the older ones, and he was left alone and the woman where she was in the center of the court. Straightening up, Jesus said to her, Woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go, from now on, sin no more. Then Jesus spoke again to them, saying, That's good, that's good. He told her to do what? <clears throat> he says, what, are they going to condemn you? Looking around, they're gone. I, 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 I'm going to be, I, I want to know what Jesus was writing in the sand. Did you ever notice that? I was like, I'm wondering what he wrote down in there. You know, and I've got, everybody's got their own ideas of what he wrote down there. And, you know, the older guys left first. You notice that? I heard one time a preacher said, well, maybe he was making a list. Bob, John, Tom, Eric, Joe, and all the older guys were going, oh, that's me. I got to go. <laughs> I don't know if that's the case. It doesn't say in the Bible that that's the case. But Jesus basically ignored them, and he just kept writing. And he says, where's your accusers? Where are those that condemned you? She looked around and she said, they, they're not here. And he said, I'm not either. So he comes to a place where he says, just go and sin no more. It might have been easy for her to be stoned. She would have been dead. It would have been over. But now she has to walk in the idea that she's forgiven. Say, I'm forgiven. She's walking in the idea that she's forgiven and she still has life. Don't you think that was pretty hard for her? When the clients come calling with money and say, what about this? And she says, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Wayne. I met Jesus. Are you with me? Yeah. It was even harder for her than just to be stoned and it was dead and it's over. So it's harder for her to be operating in the grace but she met Jesus. Say, she met Jesus. Okay, let's look at, John, uh, look at chapter 9. Just flip right over and look at chapter 9. Do you, think that, do you think that she was thankful? Do you think she was probably frightened knowing that here's the law and here's the Pharisees and they probably got rocks all around. They're going to start picking them up and they're going to literally hurl a rock at me. My life is over. How embarrassing would it have been just to just be caught in the act of adultery, let alone drug to center square where they do business and commerce and everything else, and now all of a sudden she's going to be stoned. And now all of a sudden Jesus says, where are they? And she says, there's none here. Are they going to condemn you? She says, I guess not. He said, I'm not either. What a powerful statement. What a powerful statement. Let's look about, um, about the blind man who is known as a, as a beggar. Wouldn't that be your great reputation? Here's Eric the beggar. Hi, Eric the beggar. How you doing? You got something for me today? Let's, let's read this. What verse? Uh, what verse? It's a good question. Just start at the very beginning. He passed and read through um, 
read through maybe seven. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Jesus answered, It was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. He must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle and applied the clay to his eyes and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went away and washed and came back seeing. So here's a, you get this picture. Here's this guy that he's, he's blind. Blind he can't see. I mean, he physically could not see. It just wasn't a spiritual blindness. He physically could not see. And how many of you know Jesus does some things unconventional? <laughs> he, he does some things unconventional. I mean, you know, he's like, now we would probably be freaking out. We'd be going, ooh, don't, where's my antibacterial wipes? Where's my sanitary napkins? He just, I don't want to just put this stuff in my eyes. And he's just, you know what I mean? Puts it in there, puts it on his eyes, and he tells him to go wash. Go wash. See? So you, you're looking at this and you're thinking, oh, my word. But this guy was known as what? He was blind. He was a blind beggar. He was, I mean, we can be known some things. I'm telling you, wherever you came out of, out of your past, whether you've spent time in jail, whether you've spent time behind bars physically or emotionally or mentally, whether you've messed up and gone through an adulterous situation or you've gone through a divorce or these things that might have happened in your life, how many of you know that when you meet Jesus, some things are going to begin to change in your life? The people that knew you, who you were back then, you were just a little rascal back then, but but you met Jesus, you're not the rascal that you used to be back then. You're not what you used to be back then. You're not the adulteress that you used to be back then. You're not the blind person that you used to be back then because Jesus came and something changed. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody needs to give the Lord a mighty shout of praise in this house today. You're not who you used to be. Although people may label you that way, people may still say, there's little Johnny. Don't you remember when little Johnny stole that car? Well, little Johnny spent five years in the slammer and he's out now and he's given his life to Christ and he's got a family and his children and they're growing and he's nurturing in the things of God and little Johnny is not longer little Johnny anymore. He's big Johnny and he's doing the best he can. He's working hard. He's loving God and loving people and loving others and that was his past. That was then. This is now. Behold, the old is gone and the new has come. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Little Johnny has changed me. Because he meant Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Okay, let's get back to the word. Verse 8. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously saw him as a beggar were saying, Is not this the one who used to sit and beg? Others were saying, This is he. Still others were saying, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the one. So they were saying to him, How then were your eyes opened? Hold it right there. Check that out. Let's go back a couple more scriptures. They're like, they're like having a discussion. They're like the neighbors. They saw him. They're like, isn't that the beggar? The beggar was blind. He's not blind anymore. Isn't that the beggar? The beggar was blind. You know the beggar. You know the beggar. No, that's not the beggar. He just looks like one. Maybe it was his brother. Maybe it was his twin. 
Oh, no, it was his cousin. It's not really him. It can't be him because we knew the beggar was blind, and this man is not blind any longer. So it can't be him. It's got to be his cousin. Oh, yeah, it's his cousin. They look alike, that family. That family all looks alike. You know, when they have a family reunion, they're all there. They all look alike. They all got the same features. That can't be him. It can be him. It's not him. No, it is him. And he's going, it is me. That's what he said. He said, I, I, it is me. I'm I, it's me. It's me. And we have, we have the same way we do that sometimes. Now, that somebody did something nice for somebody else. No, it couldn't have been him. No, it couldn't have been him because he was just a mean rascal. He wouldn't do that for somebody else. He wouldn't do that. Yeah, well, no, no, it's probably not him. It's probably his, it was his brother. He had a twin. You know, he had a twin. He has a twin. You know, there's a twin. There's a twin. No, they know there was five of them in that family. Them boys, that, they all look alike. They look the same. You know, they're all tall, ruddy kind of guys. They're, you know, that, it's them. They're all looking the same. They're all, it can't be him. It, no, it can't be him. Can it, is it him? Could it really be him? Could it be you? Is it really you? Is that you who I knew a long time ago? Is that you? Is that you that we used to steal cars or steal, excuse me, eight-track tape players out of automobiles? Is that you who used to, used to be the fence at school? Is that you who used to hang around and, and not go to classes? Is that you that, is that, is, is that you? Is that you who used to get in trouble all the time and end up down in the principal's office? Is that you? Is that, no, that can't be him. He was blind. He was a beggar. Now he comes back and he sees And I'm wondering if he didn't have to beg any longer. Come on, somebody. Because he met Jesus. Go ahead and and go ahead and keep reading. So they were saying to him, how then were your eyes opened? He answered, the man who is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went away and washed and I received sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. So they're, okay. Who's this guy, Jesus? Where is he? He's like, I don't know. This guy just came up. They call him Jesus. His name's Jesus. He's spitting the ground and just put some clay in my eyes and told me to go wash. And guess what I did? I heard it from Pastor Sean. Just be obedient. I just was obedient. The Lord told me to go, well, okay, I'm going to go. And he went and came back and he received his. Close your eyes a moment. Just everybody close your eyes. It'd be a dark place if I said, okay, everybody keep their eyes closed and let's exit this building. It would be difficult. It would be hard. Can you imagine having a whole life that you've gone through that you, you just were in darkness? You, 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 you couldn't see. You couldn't see physically. Now all of a sudden, open your eyes. Everybody open your eyes. Now all of a sudden the light comes and you can begin to see. Can you imagine what the world was like to him? See, we take a lot of things for granted that there's a, there's a, a red blouse and there's a black jacket and, and you know what I mean? And the, this woman has a necklace and I can see the, the green of the trees or I can see the orange in autumn and all these things. How many of you know that people are blind can't see that? They can't see it with their physical eyes. It reminds me of a a story that I read recently about two men that were in the hospital room. And one of them had a, a bed by the window. And the other one was in traction and he couldn't see out the window. And he said, would you tell me what you see? And he would look out the window and he'd say, oh, look at that park. Oh, and the grass is green. And look at those families playing and the children and they're having a picnic. 
And the next day he would say, what do you see out there? Oh, I see the trees are beginning to turn. It's, it's so beautiful. The leaves are dropping. And there's a family and they're walking a dog and, and they're playing frisbee and they're having a picnic. And the next day he'd go on and on and the guy in the bed next to the window would tell him what the sky was like and the sun and how beautiful it was. And he would say, look at this. And, and then one day the, the man in the, in the bed, he died. And the man in his, in his room knew that he had passed away and he was hurt. And he said, listen, I know you're going to bring somebody else in and put him in that bed, but could you move me over next to the window so I could look out? And the nurses said, I'll move you and I'll put you next to that window. And they put him next to that window and he looked out and what he saw outside the window was a brick wall. And he was mad. And he called the nurse in and he said, Nurse! That man for time and time again told me what he saw. And, and he, this wasn't it. He told me about the green grass and the families that were playing and the picnic and the trees that were turning. And all I see is this brick wall. And she said, no, sir, you're wrong. He told you what he saw. He was blind. But it gave that man hope. See, although we may be blind, we can still see. And although this man may have been blind, he saw in different ways than we probably couldn't see in the natural. And although he may have been called, he was called a blind beggar. That man's a beggar. How many of you know when you receive Jesus, when you find Jesus, your eyes can become clean and you can see yourself differently than others see you? Oh, come on, somebody. Let me say that again. You see yourself differently than others see you. It's like last week when we were talking about you see yourself. You need to see yourself as God sees you. Let's go on and let's look and see the big controversy now brewing over this guy. Verse 13. They brought to the Pharisees the man who was formerly blind. Now it was a Sabbath on the day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also were asking him again how he received his sight. And he said to them, He applied clay to my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Therefore some of the Pharisees were saying, This man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, How can a man who is a sinner performed such signs, and there was a division among them. So they said to the blind man again, What do you say about him since he opened your eyes? And he said, He is a prophet. The Jews then did not believe it of him that he had been blind and had received sight until they called the parents of the very one who had received his sight. <laughs> is, this really, is this really happening? The Pharisees are like, Oh, you can't. You're, you're, you're lying to us. There's no way that you can be that guy. Where is your mom and daddy? Can they verify who you are? <laughs> That's really what was taking place. It's like, where's your parents? Can they verify who you are? Because we just can't believe that you were blind and now you see. Because this, And they called Jesus a sinner because he healed on the Sabbath. Are you with me? He was like, no, he can't be of God. Why? Because he healed on the Sabbath. That's the law. Yeah. And I sometimes I know, I know 
Jesus understood and, and understood the law, knew all about the laws. He understood. He operated in them. He knew them. And you know that he healed on the Sabbath just to say, that's being fulfilled. I'm bringing in something new. Because it really shook the religious people of the day. And I'm telling you, you will shake some religious people of the day when you say, I am no longer that person. I am who God made me to be. I am designed who I am. That bill of old is that bill. That's that bill, not this bill. Can I get an amen? amen. That John of old is not that John. I'm a new John. That might have been an old John, but I'm a first John, second John, and a third John today, or a Saint John, or a John's son. Amen? I'm a John's son. Do we have any Johnsons in here? We got some Johnsons in here. John's son. Say, I'm a new creation. Come on, say it like you mean it. I'm a new creation. I'm not who they said I was. I'm not little that little knot-headed kid in upstate New York that used to do all sorts of weird things. I'm a son of God. Go ahead, let's look at the rest of this because the debate's still raging. And they questioned them, saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? Then how does he now see? <laughs> his, I love it. Go ahead. His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. For this reason, his parents said, He is of age, ask him. So a second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God, we know that this man is a sinner. He then answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise. Hallelujah. He's like, look, I don't know about this, but all I do know is this. What I know is what I know, and if I was blind, and now I can see. So you can call him a sinner, you can call him whatever. But do you think he was thankful? Do you think he was thankful for Jesus? Because, you know, you can read on and tries to hook up with Jesus. And anyways, turn with me to Luke 18. One more. I got one more. Can we do one more? I, this is it. I was, uh, Pastor Sean, he was just, he was just too uh, on, his, on his feet this morning. He was just on it. I, just, I said, who is blind Bartimaeus when he's not blind? <laughs> Bartimaeus. <laughs> I was like, okay, you're right. Got me. But how many of you know the story of blind Bartimaeus? How many of you know it by that name? Blind Bartimaeus. We know that, okay, this is blind Bartimaeus. When I... Uh, when I looked at, <coughs> excuse me, mine says Bartimaeus received sight. But I had heard it preached, and I think some other Bibles might even say blind Bartimaeus. But let's, let's, let's read through. Luke chapter 18, everybody there say, I'm there. One of the things that I want you to see is that I know that the adulterous woman was thankful. I know that the blind beggar, when he received his sight, he said, you know, I don't know, I don't know what you call him. But all I know is I once was blind, and now I can see. He was thankful. He was very thankful. Let's look at blind Bartimaeus, because this is another example of what happens to somebody when they meet Jesus. 
As Jesus was approaching Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the road begging. Now hearing a crowd going by, he began to inquire what this was. They told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, and he called out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. And when he came near, he questioned him, What do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following him glorifying God, and when all the people saw it, they gave praise to God. What a conversion. What a conversion. And he was like, you know what? He said, Son of David, have mercy on me. Shh, 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 shh. Don't, don't be calling him out. It's like, no, no, that's, that's Jesus. I heard about Jesus. I'm wondering if he heard about the other blind man. Son of David, that's him, that's son of David, I know him. I can hear him coming, I can hear the people. Son of David, have mercy on me, Jesus. Jesus, bring him here. Lord, you didn't say he commanded him. You get him, bring him in here. I want to see what's up, what's going on. What do you, Jesus just didn't heal him. He, didn't, he could see. Did you not think that he knew what was wrong with him? We were, we were doing some, some teaching on, on asking good questions. <laughs> Jesus did what? He questioned him. He questioned him. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? How many of us would all of a sudden, if we were front and center with Jesus, would, and he says, what do you want me to do for you? I'm not sure. I mean, I probably would be just in awe of, you know, who he is. But, it, but I mean, now there's some of you, <laughs> there's some of you I know that if Jesus said, hey, what do you want me to do for you? It'd be like, first. <laughs> Hold on just a second. Let me pull up my list. <laughs> and that's, that's okay, too. You know, because he knew. He's like, what do you want me to do? He's like, I, I want to receive my sight. I want to receive my sight. I want to see again. I want to see again. And Jesus says, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And verse 43 Let's look at verse 43. Can you put that up? Let's, let's read this together. together. Right? Ready? Read. Immediately he regained his sight and he began following him, glorifying God. And all the people saw it and they gave praise to God. He began. Do you think he was thankful? Glorifying God. Glorifying God. Donna stood up this morning and glorified God. Chris stood up this morning and glorified God. The worship team stood up this morning. Can I get you guys to come? Oh, I know Tatum's sneaking out. When you come back, would you all come on up? I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. Uh, I want to sing that good God song again that we sang this morning. Amen? That we started. So I'm going to ask the worship team. I want you to think about this. No matter what's going on in your life, how many of you know that when we come to a place where we see God begin to answer some things, no matter how big they are, because a lot of times we, we say, okay, i got to have this big thing answered. And God gave you breath this morning to get up with. He gave you oxygen to breathe with. He might even bless me this afternoon and my favorite football team might win a game. Or maybe not. 
<laughs> but I mean, those things, you can look at those things and see what God has done. There are things that Shelly and I have conversations about, little things that, are, that concern her or that concern me. There was one time we were in... Um, we were, in, we were in Phoenix, Arizona, and I had somebody, I've got some rental houses, and I had somebody move out of this rental house, and, and it was a mess. We were not going to be back, Larry, for three weeks. And it was an absolute mess, and I was like, God, what am I going to do? Them people just tore that house to pieces. What am I going to do about that? And I'll bet you three to four hours later, I got a phone call. Somebody wanted to see that house. I was like, I can't let you see that house. That house is an absolute mess. I had some people go on the ground. They looked at it. They were like, yeah, it's, it's bad. It's really bad. Remember this? And I was, I, I'm in the hotel room, and I'm going, okay, I'm going to a conference here. And I'm, and I'm like, I don't want. They were like, no, let me go by and look at it. I said, against my better judgment, but you go by and you look at it. I'm just telling you it's bad. They went and looked at it, and guess what they said? <laughs> it's bad. And guess what else they said? I'll clean it. And I was like, I was like, God, you were so good to me. And I said, well, there's probably this and that done to it. And they were like, look, I know somebody, and, and my stepfather's got, he lays carpet, and, and if you'll buy some carpet, they'll put the carpet down, and they won't charge you nothing for it. And I was just like, God, he, it mattered to him. Long story short, I, I talked to them probably two or three times a day for the next three or four days. And they went in there and they cleaned that house up and they, they threw some furniture and all this other stuff that was left there. And they come in and, and I got a plumber to come in and I got somebody else to come in. And all of a sudden they started working on that house. They actually moved in that house by the time we even came back into to Oklahoma. And we don't think that we've got a God that cares for us. He cares for you. And that might not have been a big thing of what he has done to your body, Donna and Chris, what he's delivered you of. But I'm telling you, he's delivered me for some stuff. Alcoholism runs in my family and he's delivered me from that. So do I have sympathy for others that are struggling? Absolutely, because it's her, it's harmful, it's tough, it's difficult. But he's delivered me from that. And I'm not saying he, he likes me better because he delivered me and may not have it delivered you. But it was just like what they said today. They said, Donna said, don't, if, if you're waiting and believing God for something, don't give up yet. You might need to be like the blind beggar and, or, or, or blind Bartimaeus who now is Bartimaeus they can see and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he said, what do you want? And I want to receive sight. I want to be healed. I want to be delivered. I want to live a life that is glorifying you. And he said, well, give God the praise. Hallelujah. So we got something in here today. There's the people out there don't have it, but we got it in here. And there's something inside of us that says, I want to give God praise. Anybody want to give some God some praise this morning? Hallelujah. I want to give him some praise. Not for what he could do in my life, but what he's already done. You don't understand. I was messed up. I was on the wrong track. I was in the wrong way. I was headed down the wrong path. And God did his sovereign mercy. He saved me. He set me free. He put me on a solid ground. He put me on the rock of Jesus Christ. And that is why I praise him today. Only why I praise him today. Let's give him some praise because he is a good God. Come on, tell three people around you, he's a good God. He's a good God. Let's stand on our feet and praise the Lord today. Praise him because you got something to praise him for. 
You got food. You got, you got clothing. You got warmth. You got people that love you and care for you today. So we give you praise. Come on, give him some praise in the house today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. I want to shout it out from every mountaintop. Your goodness knows no bounds. Your goodness never stops. Your mercy follows me. Your kindness fills my life. Your love amazes me. And I'll sing because you are good. And I'll dance because you are good. And I'll shout because you are good. You are good
Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Come on, he is a good God. No matter what's going on in your life, he is a good, 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 good daddy. He is a good daddy. He is a good daddy. No matter what's going on in your life, amen? Amen.